This is Banging on the Drum. It is another beautiful day in West Central Wisconsin, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of Banging on the Drum. I'm your host over here in Florida, P-Dog. And along or here along with my other host m dog up in uh west central wisconsin how's it going up there oh he even gives the nice bark that means it's going good up there nope not even buzzed up tonight just starting got a hams in hand but yeah it's good uh we had uh football practice tonight which was so it's like it was like 40 degrees today so pretty cold day and then, but the kids did better. They weren't crying and whining every time they fell down tonight, which was good. That's always good. Sounds like you got your team going in the right direction, whooping some royal butt last week. And, <laughs> and now, now the team's not crying in 40 degree weather. So you got some tough kids going. I know, they? like life is just getting better, you know? So are, are they getting ready to make some blood grow? Or I mean, some grass grow next weekend. No, no, but I I got a couple kids that I got to tell them that they can't hurt their that their teammates, right? If like they want to be a little bit more physical when we play against other teams, do your thing. But like, you can't hurt your own players. Oh no, I remember there was definitely kids on my young teams that I played with that I was always scared of, like that always yeah. just wanted to hurt people. But I mean, yeah, I guess they were kind of some of our better players on defense. So it was like guys you needed, but you'd be like, man, that guy's an asshole. Like I remember, like you just do like stupid shit to hurt people too. Like not even like in the in the practice. Like it would just be like on the sideline, they would find a football and then they'd run up to people and like punt it at them as hard as they can. Like just like from like two feet away, you're like, that guy's a prick. But, but then when you were playing, you're like, Oh, I'm kind of glad he's on our team. Yeah. Uh, We had a guy that like, just like a practice hero, just like the best of easily the best defender we had on our, on our team during practice and during games, he was just like, didn't do anything. I feel like I was, I definitely not the best player at practice, but like I was definitely better at practice. I had like some comfortability of like playing against people I knew where. Yeah. And I think that's what this kid's deal was like. You had to like get him amped up and like angry at people. And he was probably angry at most of us because we just weren't nice to him at some points. Right. Yeah. No. And I mean, yeah, that was the one thing about football. Like I never could get mean enough to play the game right so not that i think you have to be yeah. like mean to play the game right but it just wasn't for me and i, I think I learned that early i think with that in wrestling i learned at some point in my high school career probably around the time that i was like late in my sophomore year that you actually do have to kind of just not care what happens to that other person yeah no and i I think I would get that now, but it's just hard to like get that to click with someone that's young. Um, But yeah, like I said, I don't think I learned it till I was a sophomore. 
at least and that might have been like late sophomore year oh yeah yeah i definitely went in the direction of playing competitive sports that were non-contact is is where that led me led me to go but anyways let's roll into this episode we're gonna fly we are gonna be flying high today so we got hot in the streets right off the bat and mike what do you got that's hot in the streets pew 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 pew. yep uh so i got something that was a little bit too much contact even for nfl football where uh adams decides he's got to push a cameraman or something some person like that down right after the game they lose by one point to the chiefs basically because I guess my thoughts on it is that Josh McDaniels is an idiot. Joe McDaniels is an idiot. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's Josh. It, no, I'm confused and, now. Now it's Josh. Got, I know it's you Josh. got me. Yeah, no, I, I was like, you said it right the first time, but then you corrected yourself. But yeah, I just think it's funny if we call everybody Joe. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, he's going to get in some trouble over this. I don't know if it's come down yet. I didn't see anything today, but I was so I know he's busy at work. So I know. I guess I I won't say I know he's getting sued, but I heard he's he's getting sued by the person, and plus there's a I've heard there's a warrant out for his arrest for a misdemeanor uh, assault. Uh, in Kansas City. So I don't know exactly how that works. Like, I think he could get like booked if he goes to Kansas City, but I'm sure they're like, I, I guess I don't know how like the law works. And may- maybe I'm reading some dumb article. I don't have it pulled up or anything where I can like fact right, check yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I heard there's a warrant out for his arrest, but take that with a grain of salt as you're listening to this to your car. I might be just a dipshit. But uh, charges for misdemeanor assault is is what I'm hearing. But I guess what are your thoughts on that? Like from Devontae Adams' perspective and then from the cameraman's perspective. So I think that the cameraman probably should stay out of his way for one, right? So like you shouldn't <laughs> get right in front of him. And But for two, like – you shouldn't be pushing somebody down, right? So no matter what, right? There's right, no my, reason to be my third follow-up my, question. Did you see the video? Yeah. He like rolls right in front of him, and then this Adams just is like <laughs> so it's not like Adams went out of his way to push him down. The guy walked right in front of him. Yeah, but like it wasn't like he walked in front of him to take a picture of him like sad like i could see if like he put like a camera in his face and i think that's pushed... what he was doing no i think he was trying to get past him yeah. i don't know I mean, maybe maybe i need to see more angles of this because like the video i only saw I... one yeah yeah but like no. it's not right like what Devonte adams did isn't right but like i don't i i mean and maybe there's so many people walking in front of guys at that point in the game anyway that it shouldn't matter Right, like guys are going to be walking left and right in front of people, kind of no matter what. So it shouldn't matter that somebody walked in front of him. But like, 
I, so I can understand being pissed off and doing something stupid. I think we've all been there. I just think, Oh, oh yeah. He's doing, he's doing it on a national stage and was it dumb? Yeah. And should he get probably fined from the league? Yeah. Do I think a guy should sue him over it? Not really, but people are chasing money. I understand that too. No. Yeah. No. And I, I think you went, I know we always kind of go like in the same directions, but like the thing to me though, it just looked like it was like a, I'm better than you, like stay out of my way type push. Like yeah. you're you're yeah. lower than me. Like yeah. don't get in my way when I'm doing something wrong, which kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But like you said, like we've all done stupid shit when we were mad. So I am far from one to to speak on that topic. So so yeah, I, I think Adams. So my solution to the problem problem is Adams should reach out to the guy and be like, Hey man, this is what happened. You know, I'm sorry about it. If there's anything I can do like within reason to make it up for you, like, let me know. Um, And honestly, if you're Adams too, like, so let's just assume the guy's a Chiefs fan because they were playing an arrowhead. But, like, find a way to get him, like, tickets to the game. Like, it's nothing for Adams to get a guy yeah. like that. Like, the best tickets on the field. But I, I think it's already yeah. went too far. Like, the United States culture is pretty shitty when it comes to that stuff. So, this guy's going to be chasing a bag while Devontae Adams is going to have to be you know, I'm sure he regrets it. And I'm sure he probably is truly sorry. But then with the courts getting involved, they're probably going to be like, hey, no, don't say sorry because that that admits guilt or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Some stupid shit. But. but yeah, too late now. He already said sorry on like a national stage twice. His his apology sucked ass. But uh, I another thing that I don't have up in front of me, but it was it was kind of like, I'm sorry that you walked in front of me while I was mad. Yeah, <laughs> but but whatever all right let's roll on to the next one what do you got yeah so the roughing the passer stuff i thought it was pretty like weird after <laughs> the weekend and then it just got weirder on monday night right so the yeah no one, the mahomes one there was one other one that was like pretty goofy and kind of is, is um determining the outcome of games and that's i hate it i hate it like to be fair, I heard the the take that essentially um, it wasn't Mahomes, right? It was uh, Carr. I'm sorry. Carr was making a tackle on that guy. It wasn't that that guy tackled Carr. He Carr tackled him because yeah. he has the ball. No, I, I definitely would need to watch the watch the play again. Because um, yeah, it was like a strip sack. I don't even get how you can even get roughing the passer if you get the ball. Like, I kind of think that's like, yeah, like almost the same as like roughing the kicker. Like if you block a kick, you can hit the shit out of kicker within reason. I don't even think it's even within reason. You can hit the shit out of kicker. If if you block the, if you block the kick or, or the punter, you can break his leg. Like, yeah. All you have to do is touch the ball and then, the kicker's free game. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a fairly easy fix in that one. But the Brady one, yeah, it's just a little bit airing on the side of, like, if this guy gets hurt, 
like we lose a shit ton of money in revenue from from the bucks but, but i reps, i don't think that's but the right. reps shouldn't call right. that like the so if the nfl decides to fine him for like a rough hit on the quarterback after the game i think that's a different thing i would have right? to think though even the rep that called the roughing the passer on that one was probably after he saw it was like yeah i fucked that one up like i i, th- I think you know you know we've talked about it on the show a few times, like how we've ref stuff and like called games. And sometimes like when you're refing stuff, like from my experience, there's something in your head that you think is going to happen that you just yeah. are like ready to call something before it even happens. Like I was uh, out at the Fort McCoy softball fields. I was uh, infamous, I guess, for, for calling people out like way before they were out at like when I was the the ump at first base, like in 99% of the time I was right. Like I was like, okay, the ball's in the air. It's like going like, he just needs to catch it. But I, I was honestly like, I was very open and honest about my call. Like, like if I did that and then the first baseman dropped the ball, like I would switch to safe right away, like as quick as I could. And he, then someone would be like, you call him out. And I was like, yeah, I didn't see that he dropped the ball. Like I suck at this. Like I'm not, I, right. I'm not like a professionally trained, like, ump. like I'm a guy that works at the gym that gets stuck doing this bullshit. Sometimes I call it bullshit, <laughs> but, but yeah. I'd like, to no, it is. Like, yeah. So yeah, I don't like, obviously I told them I would. Right. So we say we got stuck, but like, they'd be like, do you guys want to do this? And we'd say, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Right. And then, yes, uh, man. Yep. So basketball, like you don't have time to make a call like that, right? To like adjust a call. Baseball, I think you, yeah. Baseball, I think you always do. And football, like you got like 30 seconds to make that call correct, right? So you fuck it up, you throw the flag, pick it up. There's no penalty on the play, right? So like that can all go through your head. His, his other officials should have said something to him. Like, that's not what we call on that. Right. Yeah. Like, hey, oh, yeah. Over. No, I, I saw I this, this that. like football has way more time. Like, cause you throw the flag, you get to see what's going on. You take time. You can meet with your fellow officials to make the call. They stop the clock. It's not a big deal. Then they start it up again. And so it's just a different, a dip, different atmosphere where like, in in basketball it's like if you miss if you miss a call by like three seconds you're basically fucked on making that call you can't go ahead and say all right i'm gonna call this when you're on the other end of the court like yeah everybody lose their mind yeah there's some movie out there it's it's a shitty basketball movie with kids like where the guy would always blow the whistle like 30 seconds too late and i like i felt that guy so much but like I would just end up swallowing the whistle, but no, you brought up some. That's what I did too. I just didn't blow it. Right. Yeah. I I would go no blood, no foul. And if someone complained (laughs) to me, I I would, in my head, I'd be like, you're a pussy. Like I I don't, (laughs) I don't care that much about what you're complaining to me about. I had a guy probably actually did affect me, but whatever. Oh, it it definitely affected me. But uh, I had a guy yell at me on the court. Okay, we're playing football now. And I was like, oh, shit, this is getting way out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. And then they 
they start, they get an inch. So they start taking feet from you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next one, we'll roll into mine. So I got Matt rule got fired. So Panthers head coach uh, gets waxed and then, or well, the Panthers get waxed and then the, the coach gets fired right after the game. Uh, don't got too much more to add to that one. Um, I couldn't even tell you who the interim head coach is. You don't got that off the top of your head. No, we'll, we'll no. find that out for you guys. Next. But he's getting paid like $40 million over the next like four years to not coach him. He got okay. all his money guaranteed. Yeah, it's not a bad deal. I would take that for sure. A little shame for uh, for doing that. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like well, we'll spend a second on this. I feel like he kind of got dealt like a bad hand that he he kind of had to figure figure stuff out because I couldn't even tell you. So they have Christian McCaffrey. They have uh, more who are talented players on the on that team. I couldn't tell you if the defense is that good. I really don't think they're that good from like what I've seen on tape. I don't know how talented they are on paper, but like watching the pan- the little bit of Panther games that I've seen, they're not too talented. And then you get two quarterbacks that were sure like highly touted coming out of college-ish. But I even think like Sam Darnold and – uh, Baker Mayfield, both coming off their second stints. And they're like, make these guys good that weren't good at the place. So I kind of think he got like the short end of the stick there. Um, but I guess if you're an NFL team in a, in a city that's semi used to doing pretty well, you're going to get outed quick with that. Um, and, and maybe he just got dealt a shit sandwich and he couldn't couldn't make that shit sandwich better where in cases other coaches getting dealt shit sandwiches can make the best out of it and actually have like a good culture be building and stuff like that and maybe just in the panthers organization they didn't see that culture building or anything like that but this is all speculation yeah. on my side so i would say like the the difference i see is like the Panthers versus the Lions, right? So the Panthers have been successful in the past where the Lions really haven't been in the last 30 years. And the culture is changing for Detroit where it doesn't feel like the culture changed at all for the Panthers. And maybe that's because the culture has less space to go, right? But it feels like in Detroit, even if you're not going to win all your games, the culture is moving towards something that they expect themselves to win where for a long time, I don't even think they expected that. Yeah. And I mean, just looking at my rule, like this, this is pretty like a judgmental take on my, my part, but like, if, if we're going to compare him to the, uh, the lions, like Dan Campbell is a very lovable dude where yep. I just don't see that in Matt rule, but I don't know Matt rule at all. For all I know, he could be a cool ass dude that, you know, it's like a good hang, like a good players coach, whatever. I didn't know much about Matt Rule. Tell you the truth, like, yeah, he he would be one of the lesser recognizable coaches to me. But like, if I saw Dan Campbell, I'd be like, damn, that's Dan Campbell. Like, 
that's the guy yeah. that's on hard knocks. Like that's the guy that's like, all fired up and emotional and like, you know, like going to bat for his guys all the time. Like things along that line, but, but yeah, that's all, that's all I got on that. We'll move off from that rule. Uh, next thing I got is David Stearns. So our, our former colleague, our dog, uh, was all about this, but David Stearns admits to our dog that the hater trade definitely had a big effect on, on the team's play down the stretch. Um, his comments, he says it didn't fortify the team in Josh's absence as much as he thought he did. He thought he was getting some depth in the bullpen with, with the bushes and the guys that we got in the trade, uh, that didn't really pan out. Um, my theory behind it was he dealt Hader in um, thinking that he was going to be able to deal some of the guys that he got for Hader for some sort of like bats in some things. Because, I mean, if you really look at it, all the trade did was hurt the camaraderie of the team, which was huge yeah. down the stretch. Like that's that's probably a two-game swing, and that's – the difference between the Brewers being yep. in the playoffs and not being in the playoffs, but it, like Hater did really not do much for the Padres uh, down the stretch to win games for them. Right. Yeah. I we mean, need to stay- yeah, it affected the Brewers, right? So Hater seems to be affected negatively as well, but it, it affected the Brewers negatively. And so even if Hader does what he did there, maybe the rest of the team doesn't like kind of wallow in their own shit and squeaks out a couple games that Hader isn't a part of. Yeah. No, they definitely, they definitely got sour about that one. Even like Devin Williams, where I would think like as a professional athlete, like in a, in a situation, which I mean, good for Devin Williams, but, if I was Devin Williams, I'd be like, hell yeah, you know, it's, it's my time to roll. And, and maybe I wouldn't be like that, but like, that's what I would expect the the setup yep. man that's been, you know, just as crucial in those that doesn't get the credit that haters getting. Um, Cause Devin Williams and hater, you know, we're, we're one, one, a, yeah. Like one, a one B two is like, pick your poison, like who you're going to have to be the setup man and who you're going to have be the closer. I mean, Hader had the closing role because, you know, he'd been there a little bit longer than, yep. than Devin Williams. But, like, I think you could have flipped Devin Williams and Hader, and you wouldn't see much of a difference in, like, the outcomes of games, like, when it got to those two. Um, but, I yeah, agree. I mean, Devin Williams, though, was not happy about the trade. Yelich was definitely kind of sour down the stretch. Um, but to Stern's credit though, is like, he acknowledged it, um, talked about it a little bit. I did read more of his interview and just to summarize some of the stuff he said was like, you know, we still got these starting pitchers. Uh, I think Burns and Woodruff are still have two years left before they reach arbitration. Um, I know the option on Wong for next year is 10 million. So I don't know if we're going to have Wong back, but Wong wasn't really 
playing gold glove defense by any means anymore is like kind of what you bring him in to be like the best second baseman. So I don't know. Wong might be gone, but what it looks like is we, we do have a good window as, uh, as a franchise. So as Brewers fans, like, I think we're going to be competing for the playoffs for the next three years. So there's, there's still that window open for us. Um, Do you remember what our final record was, Pat? I don't, but let's say it was like eight games above 500 and you do the math. So, so, I mean, miss the playoffs by a game, which is, is pretty disappointing. And then with, probably the best pitch the best the best pitching staff that i recall us ever having but yeah. the silver lining is we still have that pitching staff we still have burns we still have woodruff we still have peralta and then i i don't know too much about like lauer and hauser's situation but i think that back end you know you can kind of play with a little bit but I, I think the Brewers are going to be a competitive team again next year. So hopefully we can do something to get the bats going. It does look like we have some young bats like Garrett. Wow. Now I can't even remember. I wanted to say Garrett Wilson. Um, Mitchell. Garrett uh, Sullivan. Yeah. Garrett Sullivan. He, he's going to, get, he's going to be swinging a hot bat uh, coming up, but so good, good young center fielder there. And I think the Brewers would be just fine. I think we'll be back in the playoffs again. It kind of does stink that it ended our longest run of four consecutive years in the playoffs. So we could have been five consecutive years in the playoffs. But with the MLB playoffs expanding and the Brewers being a solid team, I I mean, I think we'll be back in the playoffs again next year. So not too worried about that. Uh, Next, hot in the streets. Well, these are going to be two second hot streets. It's crazy to me. NBA regular season starts in seven days. And then the college basketball season starts in less than a month on November 7th. So it's getting hot. Looks like we're going to be bringing on our Bucks expert Monday uh, to give us a little Bucks preview. I'm going to start doing a little digging um, because when sports aren't going on. So like when the NBA is not going on, I'm not paying too much attention to the off-season drama, but I should know a little bit more than I do. So this week is going to be Bucks deep diving for me a little bit. And like I said, we're going to bring in our former season ticket holding Bucks fan that that stays up on the Bucks year-round. So hopefully he'll give us some good stuff. We're not going to call him out by name. We're going to try to surprise surprise three of you out there that are listening. All right, from there, we will roll into spicy meatballs. And that's a spicy meatball. All right, so just like I called the Badger game, uh, going to the passing, pass-heavy offense last week, I'm going to call the Packers defense going to a opportunistic-type defense. Uh, three turnovers, four sacks. And they're just going to dominate the Jets. They're going to make Zach Wilson look like a second-year quarterback, like he is, and really like just kind of rub their nose in it defensively. 
So offensively, I think we'll do just fine, but like the defense is going to turn into that defense we all thought they were against this team. Yeah, and we'll get more into that in the Packers breakdown. Yeah, but I'll, I'll give you two and a half spicy meatballs. I feel like that, or two and a half jalapenos. I feel like that's a pretty neutral. Uh, I guess three sack or four sacks and three turnovers. Never mind. I'll crank up the heat a little bit. Uh, three and a half. Three and a half jalapenos. What do you got next, Mike? Uh, so I think everyone's overreacting to the Giants loss, right, for the Packers. Um, everybody's like, uh, Joe Barry's got to go or Matt LaFleur's got to do other things. And I think this is just one of those anomaly games that you're playing in London. Um, something slightly negative happens. Not everything goes quite your way. You let that game get too close, and it falls through your fingers. I don't think that that means that the Giants are the better team, but I I do think it means that the Packers sometimes get complacent, especially late in games. All right, I'm going to play devil's advocate on you here just because I know we're a very agreeable podcast, and I do agree with that. Like I do think people are overreacting to that. But I do also think that we underreact to that shit. Like last year, how we were like, the special team is going to work itself out. The special team is going to work itself out. We bring Chris Jackie on the show. He tells us we're going to go one and done in the playoffs if we don't fix our special teams issue. And I think both of us were just kind of like, yeah, this old man, you know, like, not that he's an what old man. What the fuck does he know? It's only like he played in the league for like 12 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah what, what does that guy know? But, but I mean, we did, we did kind of like dismiss his opinion on that. Cause we were like, you know, it's going to work itself out. So I think it's an overreaction, but I think there's, I think there is a not precedent. I try to use big words on here and I don't even know how to use big words, but there's a, there's validity. Okay. We'll use validity in the people who are panicking right now because the same thing that happened to special teams. And it's not just the Giants game. It's the Patriots game. The Patriots game shouldn't have been as close as it was. And then we have the Giants game where we played exactly the same, but a team that found out how to take advantage of them. You know, they weren't on their third-string quarterback. So we we have a game that goes into overtime against a third-string quarterback who actually looks like he might be good. So I don't know. I'm not knocking Zappy there. but He's basically Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, this is what it's looking like so far. Um, but yeah, it, it just doesn't, it hasn't clicked yet. It hasn't snapped yet. Like the Packers need to figure something out. I know Mike and I will hold faith that they will figure that out. Um, I don't know. We got Watkins or yeah, Sammy Watkins down, Watson. So Christian Watson has been in and out. So we'll see if, if those weapons get going. Uh, our run defense that was supposed to be, but we're going to get into more of this stuff later, but our run defense that's supposed to be, you know, great. Um, Devondra Campbell is playing pretty damn well, uh, but our run defense isn't that good. Like we're giving up big yards to Montgomery. We're giving up big yards to Barkley, which – is fair. Uh, Montgomery, not so much, but 
but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get more into the Packers stuff in a little bit. So what do you got next for your spicy meatball, Mike? All right. And so this is an old one and I'm just going to. Two and a half jalapenos. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to reiterate this one probably until the NFL does something like this because I got such positive feedback from uh, P-Dog and R-Dog in the past. So, um, but the NFL should put two full weeks in Europe every year, every team. And I don't know if there should be like one gets a bye week beforehand and one gets a bye week be afterwards or how it exactly it should work out. But at least every team plays in Europe, they get like a, like a sister city or a sponsor city that they go to all the time. Um, right. So the Packers could get London, you know, wherever it is, it doesn't matter. Right. And then each team, you just pick out 32 cities in Europe and you go with it. And I think that that would like kill it would crush for that week every yeah. year i i'm a sucker for getting games into south and central america but i do love mike's idea uh and i think you kind of revised it cuz you were saying you know say we take week 13 and every game is in europe that week like, so we just, the NFL invades Europe. I loved that idea the first time I heard it because then week 14, every team would get a bye week. So like there, there would be like no advantage to like when your bye week is uh, every team played overseas. So that extra home game, extra away game that some teams have, like it kind of gets neutralized. But then I just, don't like it because there's not like consistency in Europe. So I think, I think okay. this, this like in a different system, like where you have one game every week in Europe and you figure out a way to do that. I think that's a good idea. I love the, the sister city thing though, that every team picks a city and plays. So yeah, there'd be, Multiple teams out had to play two games in Europe, but who gives a shit? Like they they get paid enough. Oh yeah, money. they they get paid enough money to do that shit. So so say everyone picks a EPL, not EPL, but whatever, like a team that can make it into the Champions League. See, we we need our dog back to to tell us uh, which. Yeah, we don't even back. know what the difference between the Champions <laughs> League and the Premier League is. Yeah, well, we I know there's an English Premier League. I know there's like uh I know each country I, has so some I did watch some I did watch Ted Lasso. So I think that if you fall out of the Premier League, you go to the Champions League because uh Lasso is like, oh, that sounds great. Like going to the Champions League, like we're the champions. I love it. So I think that's the lower one. No, I don't. I don't even think that's the joke. I've never seen Ted Lasso. I really want to see Ted Lasso. But so there's a joke in Brazil that my brother-in-law was telling me about is so they have the same type of system like where there's relegation. Uh, But it was something about if you win that league, you're like so good that you can't win it 
twice. I don't know. It I shouldn't have I shouldn't even try to make that pull. But anyways, it was like a, a joke on like, all right, if you win that league, you don't get to play it again because you're in the upper right. league. Or no one's ever won it two years in a row. So it's like a bigger accomplishment then. But whatever. Um, but for a spicy meatball, I, I give that zero. That's a great idea. I think I think there's work to do on that idea, but I think there's something to having a sister city in a different country to grow the game. Cause I, I want to see some more talent from all over the world in the NFL. Uh, yeah. So I did have a, like a idea too. So, and this might make it all end up in like the middle East with the oil money. Right. But you could just have other cities bid on teams and then the NFL would make shitloads of money. Yeah. And I mean, that's like the way it would go and kind of, yeah, we would have like Saudi Arabian teams. I don't love that. I think we should, I think we should try to harvest talent. And I think like your talent is going to come from everywhere. Like it's going to come from all over the world. It isn't going to be centralized talent. So I, I'm not opposed to having games in like Africa, South America, right? Um, yeah, Asia, um, uh, all the Middle East, India, yeah, right? Yeah, Australia, yeah. So, like, wherever works. I know in my head, I would say, like, I don't want games in Asia because, like, you would just have to play them at like the most outrageous times. But there, there's a there's a time in every time zone where you can make it make sense in a slight form. So say if we're playing in the time zone, that's like 12 hours away from us, I guess you would just have to stay up till midnight to watch but like an play. eight o'clock an eight. Oh no. Like a 6 p.m. game. Yeah. An 8 p.m. Yep. game would turn into 8 a.m. for us or whatever. Now yeah. the, like a 24 hour one might be a little bit weird, right? When you're at like a 22 or 23 hours, but it's still something you just have to maneuver around it. Mike, think about that statement Dude, first. No, no, I get what you're saying. Like it's a, just a different <laughs> day, but like that'd be tough for the players, is what I'm saying, not for fans. But dude, if you do a, like a 24 hour one, you'd be playing at the same time. <laughs> fair enough fair enough <laughs> or 23 it would be like an hour behind so 12 is gonna yeah. be it'd be like it. playing on the <laughs> east coast instead of the, the central time <laughs> yeah you'd be like someone in uh california complaining that they're that hawaii football games are on too late yeah, too or late. something yeah but that's fair. but but anyways great idea mike i love it i think we need to start a petition the nfl needs to start the the bill the bill of rights things and how a bill becomes a law Uh, and we would we would i would sign that bill for you mike i would sign it yeah so i think if they need someone to like spearhead this whole thing just call me up i'm in all right i like it and I have not had a spicy meatball in a while. And that's probably a good thing because my spicy meatballs are always just new ways to find people to go to jail. So mine's going to be an observation that doesn't even fit into this section. But I think 
Kirk Herbstreit and Brian Anderson are the best announcers in their current games right now. And I don't think I've ever heard anything bad said about those two. And I just want to hear, like, I just want to know if I'm like, if I'm not in that corner of the internet, like where people trash Herbstreit or Anderson, but those two are just so good at what they do. And I think it's more impressive on Herbstreit's part because he's more of like the face of something of college football. Oh, but, yeah. but I mean, he he's calling these Thursday night games too. And I I'm loving it. Uh, when I get to tune in and we start, we start the show a little bit later and like hearing, cause I didn't even know he was doing it. I think it took me, I didn't watch the first Thursday night game of the season or whatever it was, but like week two, I was like, this guy sounds like Herb Street. Like I kind of like this guy. And then sure shit, it is Herb Street. He might have been doing it last year too. I don't even know. I don't no. know. If so he got signed this year by Amazon. Okay, but yeah, love that guy. Love Brian Anderson. And I don't know yet. Like I said, I, I don't think I've ever heard anything bad to say about him. I didn't know how to twist it into a spicy meatball. If I had a little bit more time, I probably could have figured out a way. Yeah. So I think that uh, both those guys are really good. I I do think Herb Street catches some shit over being an Ohio State guy. Yeah, but like barely, though. Yeah, barely, right? So it's not even, it's not like Aikman gets for being a cowboy. Yeah. Right? It's and, not even close. Yeah, but like Aikman and Buck, like, are great announcers. But it's yeah. still like the the Packers fans. Like, if you look at the Facebook of Packers fans, when you got, uh, when you got Buck and Aikman on your call, uh, they're like, oh, looks like we got dumb and dumber again. And like, oh, yeah, here's yeah. here's dipshit and dingleberry. But like, I mean, they're the they're two of the best in the business. But I guess my thing is, is like, I'm wondering when when the table's going to turn on on Anderson and Herb Street. And I don't think Anderson quite gets the he gets big games, but he doesn't get the big games like so i don't know if he gets if the big tr- basketball games right no i mean he gets like playoff basketball games he gets playoff baseball games but he doesn't get the uh, uh nba championship and he doesn't get the world series whereas whereas uh joe buck gets the world series so that microscope's on him so i don't know if anderson gets that microscope on him and then uh, it kind of turns on him a little bit, but I, I just don't foresee it. And, and, and so I've heard a pretty decent take on some of this stuff is that like, so Buck and Aikman more than likely called the, like the Bostic botched kick thing. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, I would assume that they did, right. It's the NFC championship game. They call NFC games. And so like, we hear that we hear them like telling us what's happening to our favorite team and as they're shitting the bed. And so we start hating people like that. Yeah. And so like, I think it could easily come for these guys if that's actually the nature of the beast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, Herbstreet's definitely called the Wisconsin game that that's gotten out of hand on us. But yeah, I, I don't know about too many like critical 
And even Anderson, I feel like, has called a Wisconsin loss in in the NCAA tournament because he he dips into that too. Yeah, but yeah, but so that's not a a loss that's gonna like really stick with you, right? Oh so man, that's stick with me. That's one of so, the biggest losses ever. And I mean, like the Duke championship game, but granted, like Anderson doesn't get that game. But right, but, and so uh, he but doesn't I guess call that one right, yeah. And so Herb Street probably doesn't call like the Ohio State Wisconsin game unless they're both ranked in the top seven. Yeah, right? if he's yeah. not, if he's if game day's not there, he's not calling that game. And so if there's a big game, another big game, he's not the one that like shits on us while we're getting fucking piss pounded. Yeah. Yeah, and I think both those guys are just like likable dudes that are good at their profession. Yeah, and like Aikman likes to shit on the Packers. I don't think he likes them very much. I like, I honestly don't. I don't think that he actively tries to do that. But I think like he has underhanded comments about how like the Cowboys would be better and the Packers are worse, right? Like all the time. And like I get that. That's who. That's his team. It was his team his whole career. They paid him to be a fan of the team. They paid him to be a, the quarterback of the team. I get that 100%. See, and I don't even notice that. Like, I feel like he's good at recognizing good quarterback play, and I feel like he pumps Aaron Rodgers' tires as much as any other guy pumps Aaron Rodgers' tires up because he recognizes that greatness. Um, which, yeah, I don't think that – Rodgers and him are at odds, but I think that the Packers and him are at odds. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we will move. We will move from that one. But yeah, that was just my interesting observation. So let's get into the meat of this show. So we're going to do the Badgers preview first, and I'm going to take the wheel, and then we'll do the Packers preview, and I will let Mike take the wheel. So Wisconsin heads to East Lansing this Michigan or wow, East Lansing, Michigan this weekend to take on the two and four Michigan State Spartans who are currently on a four game losing streak. The Badgers are seven and a half point favorites in this game. And I'm just going to give you guys kind of a quick uh, little view of what the Michigan State offense is doing what the Michigan State defense is doing and then what it is compared to the Badgers so starting the offense uh points per game Michigan State puts up 25.8 which is 90th in the country compared to Wisconsin which is 31.8 and they are 53rd in the country uh total yards per game Michigan State averages 342 yards per game, whereas Wisconsin averages 409. And basically, now that I'm reading these down the line, all I'm going to give you is that Wisconsin's quite a bit the better team as long when you're looking at these rankings, uh, like across the board on paper, Wisconsin is the better team in this game. So Michigan State's defense is 113th in the country to Wisconsin, who is 26th in the country. Um, Yeah, Michigan State's rushing D 
defense is 87th. Their passing defense is 122nd. So Michigan State is kind of a dog shit team this year, for lack of a better term. And it was crazy to me because I do remember it now that I looked at it, but Michigan State was ranked 11th to start the season, or they were ranked as high as 11th. And they have just been downhill ever since then. Um, so they they started out the season with two easy wins in Akron. And I can't remember the other one. It was, but anyways, it was Akron and like Buff or Western Michigan. So Western Michigan, Akron, they whooped their ass. And then since then they've lost to Washington, who's a decent team, Minnesota, who's a decent team, Maryland, who's a surprisingly decent team, and then Ohio State, who I think is the best team in the country. Uh, for Michigan State, people to watch out for. Uh, their quarterback Peyton Thorne is not one of those guys, uh, guys poop, uh, not a very good quarterback that we're going up against, uh, 1,234 yards this season, nine TDs, seven interceptions, uh, they're running back their number one option. You guys might recognize this guy, uh, used to play for the Badgers, Jalen Berger, uh, transferred from Wisconsin. I uh, couldn't get playing time behind Malusi and Braylon Allen. Uh, so, so nothing too special there on offense. Uh, the big guy that I would say to watch out for, so they do have a stud on defense, and that is uh, Jacoby Winman, uh, leads the FBS in force fumbles with five force fumbles, is tied for seventh in sacks with five and a half sacks, and it's tied for 16th for tackles for loss with eight and a half tackles for loss. So they do have a beast on the defensive end. But if I'm going to conclude this thing and let Mike get to talking about it a little bit. Uh, so we're going to see if Jim Leonard can keep this team hot. Wisconsin on paper looks like the better team across the board. But we'll see how it plays out. I'm excited to see if we are still going to try to sling the ball around the yard and put up some points. Uh, my biggest concern in this game is Michigan state just being desperate. They're at home. They've lost four games in a row. They need a win here. Uh, my prediction though is Wisconsin handles these guys by a fair margin. Um, and then just some of the other stuff that I've read about Michigan is like, <laughs> The culture there, they're, they're just accepting transfers left and right. So the question in Michigan State is, is the culture good? And it sounds like some of the experts before the season were just like, this team is two to three years away from being, being that team. But I will say I'm not too concerned about Michigan State. I think Wisconsin goes in there with that fire still lit up under their ass a little bit that, Hey, if we're, if we're not playing good guys are getting fired, guys are losing jobs. I mean, I know it's only Paul Chris that lost his job, but <clears throat> looking at these young players on the roster future, uh, cause we're still going to have Braylon Allen for another year. Graham Mertz is definitely, I, I can't see him transferring unless he loses his job. So, so I, 
I don't know. I think a fiery Wisconsin team stays fiery. I don't think it's going to be a one week bump from the firing. I think we're going to have at least two weeks before we get complacent, especially heading on the road to East Lansing where we've done fair in the last few games we played there, but I mean, it's, it's still not an easy place to play in the big time. What do you got, Mike? Yeah. So I think that, um, the worry about them needing a game. So I, I forget what their coach's name is off the top of my head, but he just got signed for a big, big money. Right. Uh, Mel Tucker. Yeah. Just got signed for huge money there at Michigan state and hasn't been paying, paying off this year. Right. So maybe that's why they're ranked up there as high as 11 as they think that they're, he's going to make a big turnaround. Well, I think it's what they had, did last year as well. Right. And he's had a good year in the past, right? That like he's had good years and that's why you get paid, but you can't be losing to get to teams that are like marginal. Right. And so maybe we're just seeing a resurgence in what college football is in the big 10. And some of these teams that were, have been seller dwellers for a long time are just coming back. But, um, I do expect Jim Leonard to keep the team hot. I do expect Bobby Ingram to keep kind of like adjusting the offense more towards trying to blow people out to put up that 40 points. I think it'll be a little bit tougher in this game. Um, for my estimate, so the line is seven and a half and the over under is 49 and a half, which puts it at like, 29 to 21 or something like that would be your would be your line. I think it's going to be a little bit better than that. I think the Badgers are score right around 35 and Michigan State scores 20. So I'm going to go 35-20 Badgers win. And I think that their defense dominates to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. And just like going across the board, like they, they've played pretty I wouldn't say familiar opponents, but like likewise, like it, it's not like Michigan State's played a way harder schedule. I mean, they both played Ohio State, got their ass kicked by them. Um, they both lost, uh, you know, a middle of the road. Um, so they lost to Maryland. We lost to Illinois, which I think Illinois is probably a better team than Maryland. They lost to Minnesota. So I would say, they got one up on us in like the strength of schedule, having Minnesota in their schedule already. Um, but possibly Washington too, right? Yeah, but they got out. But I think that's our Washington State loss is their Washington okay. loss. So I, I would say that kind of counterbalances there. But they got absolutely waxed by Minnesota, and they're just not a very good team. I was going to go back and look up some tape on them, um, but I was lazy. And then I was thinking, yeah, these, these numbers don't lie too much. Uh, seeing how Wisconsin played last weekend. I, I'm just excited to see if we can keep the ball rolling like that. Cause this is definitely another team that we should be able to spank. If we do, if we do this thing, right. They're not quite Northwestern, but. But they're not good it, either. Yeah, no, it, it's yeah. it's a team we should beat, and 
I think Jim Leonard knows if he doesn't beat this team, that might be a problem. Um, you know, when it, when it comes down the road, like this is one that he can't, he can't lose this game. I think if we look at like games that Jim Leonard may be able to lose like on out this season and still, still keep like his complete credibility would be maybe Minnesota at the end of the year. Um, I don't know how it goes. Like, I don't know if we're going to shop coaches. I think we kind of were fell into that perfect situation where Keel covered it. You covered it. I covered it. Like it was just the leash was shortened because we had our next head coach and we didn't want him to leave. Paul Chris fucked up. We're going to the next, yeah. guy, you know? Yep. So, so I, I don't know. For all I know, we could lose every game on out in, and they would still be like, oh, Leonard's our guy. But I don't think that's the case because I think there's there's other names out there that would be good coaches that would want to take the Wisconsin job. Uh, so I, I think Leonard's going to keep his foot on the gas pedal, and we'll see how this one plays out this weekend. Yeah, so I think that that's a, that's a pretty good assessment is that he's going to have to, like, B plus in the, in the win column in order to stay, because it's not like Wisconsin is this like terrible job anymore. Uh, and so we got uh three o'clock that game kicks off on Saturday. Yeah. Three o'clock your time, four o'clock, my time. Perfect time for me. Just roll out a drill. I actually have drill this weekend. Check the schedule. So I'll be able to watch yeah, like- this one. Yeah, likely story. You don't got drill. You're going to drive down there again, and then they're going to say, Pat, what are you doing? They're just going to start messing with you, too, and give you yeah. a schedule that says that you <laughs> that you have drill. Yeah. Uh, I actually got kicked out of the military. They're just not telling me. I'm like the guy in office <laughs> space that keeps showing up for work when he's not getting paid. Yeah, it's probably that's fairly likely. People keep right, hiding my stapler. Yeah. We'll roll into the Jets versus Packers. Um, I did want to just mention what time the game is on for those guys that didn't want to go look it up and listen to us. So it is at 3 o'clock Central Time on Fox. Um, Jets, Packers. I think you got that wrong already. It's at 1 o'clock. Or, I mean, it's at noon. The Packer game is. I was talking about the Badger game. Sorry. Oh, Badger game. My bad. Yeah. Yep, and so the Packer game is at noon. It's one of the very few noon kickoffs the Packers get anymore due to the fact that they are a plus team almost all the time. They usually get a 325 game or a 3 o'clock game because it is the game of the week. Um, But this one's at home in Lambeau versus the Jets. Basically, the Jets come off a big victory against the Dolphins. Dolphins are using their third – they start with their second-string quarterback – he gets injured, and then they go to their third-string quarterback pretty much right away. Uh, the Jets' defense kind of handles that guy, like just deals with him like he's a third-string quarterback and plays pretty well against him. Their pass rush had 12 pressures, and I don't know if that is a like a really, really good pass rush out of the Jets or if that is a guy that takes a second too long and therefore ends up getting pressured a lot. Um, 
didn't recall if like the number of sacks or number of interceptions that they had, but the Jets defense is really good at pressuring the quarterback in the last week. And then they are a plus team in coverage. So our passing game is going to have a little bit of challenges moving forward. And or, or in this game, if the Jets come to play the way they did against the Dolphins. Now that's a divisional game and the Jets got to get wins in games like that. Um, if you were going to tell me coming into this game that the Jets and the Packers were both going to be three and two, um, I would have told me you're, I would have told you you're lying. First of all, I would have assumed that the Packers only have one loss. First five games of the season. One one loss, maybe zero. Wouldn't have assumed two. And then I would assume the Jets had zero wins or one win, not three. So the Jets are a little bit better team than I expected. Offensively, it does appear that they're doing okay. Uh, Brees Hall seems to be a legit running back. Uh, Zach Wilson is playing much better than he has in the past, but he's not, but he's only two games into the season. The first three games were played by Joe Flacco. But the last two games, Zach Wilson has looked like a quarterback who can function in the NFL. Um, they have, I want to say, a couple good wide receivers, uh, Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis. Corey Davis. I was going to say Chris Davis, but I knew that wasn't right. Corey Davis as well. Um, just guys that play a good game. Really what the Packers need to worry about is how good Brees Hall actually is. Is the Jets off offensive line going to dominate and is Brees Hall going to take advantage of that? So he had like a hundred yards receiving and a boatload of uh, rushing yards last week. Now the hundred yards receiving, I think like 85 of that was on one pass or something like that. Right. When yeah. It was a pretty sick one. play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, he is a receiving threat to some extent, and he's a running threat. He had a really great game last week. I would like the Packers to make him look like a rookie running back, and I would like the Packers to make Zach Wilson look like a second-year quarterback. If we can do that, it's going to be a fairly easy win. I do believe that the the Packers' offense is going to score 20 to 25 points like we normally do. And our defense needs to just play a little bit better. Uh, when it comes to the Packers, their running game needs to be amped up. Uh, doesn't sound like uh, Raheem Mostert had a a bunch of yards against the Jets. Yeah, yep. and I think Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon need to have thirty touches, right? So that whether that's passes and rushing attempts, those two need to have thirty touches in this game. If you do something like that and then just take the other 20 to 30 uh, plays and get passes out of Aaron Rodgers, I think that that's fine. But you got to put a big emphasis on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Let them carry the team and Rodgers supplement the team. I think that's tough to convince Rodgers to do because he's always been the main focal point of the team. So Mike McCarthy doesn't believe in running backs. He thinks that they're pointless. And then uh, it's just rolled through that since then. That's a personal opinion, not an actual fact, but 
the way he treats guys that are running backs isn't very good. Um, overall, I think the Packers are a better team. They're running into their third game in a row where they're favored by like eight to 10 points. Um, this seven is a home game to 10 points, seven and a half. Sure. Okay. That's an eight line. You have to win by eight. Okay. So, um, there is no seven and a half points. Uh, anyway, yeah, seven and a half to 10 points, big, big lines in the NFL, right? So if you're favored by more than seven, you're expected to win pretty easily in a game like that. Usually a game that is favored by seven is a backdoor cover. And the Packers have been not doing that. Yeah. Um, so I think this, this being a home game, they should, they're going to pull out a win. And for the most part, there, I, and maybe it's because I see the Jets and I just assume domination. Like that's just what happens when you play the Jets. But I think the Packers got to start getting some stuff right offensively. And I really all I think that that takes is giving Jones and Dylan the ball four more times a game each. All right. What do you think, Pat? Yeah. No, I think you hit the, the nail right on the head there. I think it's going to come down to, the running games and so our for the Packers, our running game, getting feeding our horses a little bit more, getting Jones and Dylan some more carries, uh, running all over this defense, which can be ran all over. And then I think the main focal point is Brees Hall on the other side, shut him down, uh, put the put the ball in the the MILF hunter's hands and Let's see what Zach Wilson can do this week. And I, I think that's the recipe for success right there is make Zach Wilson throw the ball and run the ball down their throat. And I don't think the Packers are going to have a very hard time doing either of those things. And I think the Packers do get back on track. But if they don't do that and we have a close game, uh, we're playing at Lambeau. I can't remember if that that was said already. So, I mean, home game, I think we do it. It's going to get chilly. I mean, the Jets aren't, you know, they're, they're, they're used to that as well. So it's not like the weather's going to really play a factor in this one. But, yeah, we just got to run the ball more and as good as we've been doing. And we just got to start shutting down the run, which I think this defense is so talented that it's within us. Uh, maybe get a little bit more creative because, yeah, there, there's a lot of that Joe Barry hate going around the Packers circles. And I'm not far from hopping on that bad way. And I think he needs to send some wrinkles. I think he needs to quit being such a, I don't know, like non-aggressive. Yeah, he's cautious. Corner. Yeah, such a cautious. Good, good. I like when Mike can read my mind a little bit but yeah he's got to stop being being so cautious and just start getting after some things and then, then that being said too is i think on offense we we do need some wrinkles like we need because our offense uh let me see where we are so we're ninth overall uh in yards and then we're 22nd overall in scoring so we just need to put some wrinkles in the playbooks, some wrinkles in the playbook to put the ball in the end zone once we get down the field. 
which I don't think we've been doing a very good job this year. Right. So, and I do think that like Watson not playing in some of these games hurts the offense. It's, it's the same as MBS when he doesn't play in the Packers offense, the real like deep threat is gone. Like a real, like quality deep threat. Now Watson misses those balls on occasion, but he is open on those balls too, which means that they have to play coverage differently because the guy is an NFL wide receiver, whether we like it or not. And eventually he's going to catch one or two of those. Yeah. No. And I mean, he's so young. So I, I think like what he displayed in college, especially being like North Dakota state, I forget what that's called FCS or I think they yeah FCS. Yeah. But I don't even think that's the actual name of it anymore, but being an FCS guy, that's what we'll call it. uh, And being so highly touted because you're faster than everybody on the field. You're stronger than everybody on the field. You're tall, you're a big man. Um, We brought those Vikings guys on who I think one of them was a North Dakota state alum. So he, he's locked into it. And he, he said he was jealous that the Packers got Watson in that one. And that he thought he was going to be a real good receiver. So coming from a guy who watched him a lot in college that I think says a lot to you guys or says a lot. And yeah, he's, he's going to start catching those deep balls, but I forgot where we were going. I just went off on a tear on tear on Watson. Um, but yeah. Overall, I think that the offense needs to give the ball to Jones and Dylan, probably our best two athletes on the offensive side of the ball, like maybe not athletes, but the best two, like football players on the offensive side of the ball outside of Aaron Rodgers. You got to give the ball there more, and then we got to stop the run, which is their strong point on their offense. Nailed it. Yep. That's what we're going to do as well. So from the Packers preview, we are going to roll into our picks, and we're going to try to roll through these bad boys as fast as we've ever rolled through these bad boys before. So we have Thursday Night Thunder, which is currently going on. We both went with the Commanders. And I think when we've had a consensus pick on Thursday night, we have been on this year. I would definitely have to fact check that, but I know we got, I think we're two for two. We're looking like we're going to go three for three. Uh, Washington's up 12 to seven. Uh, the bears are driving, but they're, it's fourth and 16 right now, just for a reference to you guys, what time we're recording this. Uh, um, so like I said, first game, we both went commanders, commanders in a pick them at Chicago. Next game we have on the docket, we're just going to be homers and we're going to start with that Packer game and it's jets at the Packers and the Packers are minus seven and a half, like stated before. And I have the Packers, Mike. I assume I know who you have. Yeah, I got the Packers too. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're gonna keep riding them. And we're whether they lose us, lose us or make us money, we're gonna keep riding them till the end. One thing I did want to say about this is these games felt fairly easy to me. 
So that being said, I would probably fade the shit out of me this week. Um, but anyways, next thing we have is 49ers minus five and a half at the Falcons. And I'm going with the 49ers. I think the 49ers have a great rushing defense. And I think the Falcons are a good running team when they have that RPO going. But uh, with Cordero Patterson down, I just I don't see them being able to keep this one close, even though it is in Atlanta. Who do you got, Mike? Yeah, I'm going to take the Niners, too. Um, defense looks really, really good. And then Jimmy just doesn't screw up as much as Trey Lance is going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a smart quarterback. He just wants to win games. I kind of respect that Jimmy G and what he is doing in San Francisco right now. So next game, we have the Patriots at the Browns. The Browns are minus two and a half at home. Mike, who do you got? Uh, so I'm going to take the Browns. Yep, I'm going to take the Browns. I think this is the game Zappy kind of shits the bed. And yeah. the Browns get back in it. Yeah, we're going to go Browns, Browns on this one. I think that line was kind of what spoke to me more than anything else. Is I felt like it should have been like minus one or closer to that. But anyways, I think the Patriots kind of, get back down to earth here. Uh, not that they've been doing anything too crazy, but, but yeah, we're going with the Browns. Next game we have is Jaguars at the Colts and the Colts are minus one and a half. And this game screams trapped me. I think every game screams trapped me now, but anyways, I'm going against my better instinct and I'm going to go with the Colts in this one because I think that line says the Jaguars are going to win this one, but I do think the Colts get back on track. I don't think the Jaguars are a great, great team by I, I've been going back and forth on them. So flip flop and like they win. I'm like, Oh, the Jaguars are real. Oh, they lose. Like, Oh no, they suck. Like, so. Yeah. So I think that the Colts are going to take this game. I'm taking the Colts minus one and a half. I want to say that for as much as the Jags beat the Colts in Jacksonville, it feels to me like the Colts beat the Jaguars in Indy. Feels that way to me. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not, but it feels that way. Yeah, no, I I have no clue. Um, but I did make all my picks yesterday because this next pick is starting to look a little weird to me. So next thing we have is Vikings minus three and a half at the Dolphins. And I'm going to go with the Dolphins for the win. And I think that's my NFC North bias playing in. And I think it's just that the Dolphins have been playing well in Miami this year. Uh, I know they don't have Tua. I don't even know if they have Bridgewater playing. And I couldn't even tell you. I think it's like Thompson is their third string quarterback. But I yeah. just think the Dolphins – are a talented team that play well at home. So I'm going to go with the Dolphins, and I'm going to take them for a double dog. Who you got, Mike? Uh, so I don't know. So if Bridgewater plays, I'd like the Dolphins here. And if Bridgewater doesn't play, I like the Vikings. You want to throw that in there? I'll let you do that. You can have a 
Bridgewater cloths this week. No, I'm just going to take the Vikes. Okay. And roll with it, I think. Vikes to cover. Yeah, so I, right. I was undecided on that. I think Thompson's probably going to be the one that plays, and so I'll I'll take I'll take that. I got no problems with it. Let's All roll right. with the Vikes. Next game, Bengals minus one and a half at the Saints. Mike, who do you got? So I'm going to take the Saints. Um, I feel like their pass rush and their defense is going to give the Bengals problems. I don't know how many points they can really score. I guess I haven't been paying enough attention to the Saints, but I'm going to take the Saints due to the Bengals. Like when when they take Jamar Chase out of a game, the Bengals look kind of pedestrian. Yeah. No, and I'm going to roll with the Bengals. I I do think it's a valid point that the Saints are going to be able to get after Joe Burrow. Um, I couldn't tell you if there's a cornerback that's going to be able to lock down Chase, but I just have kind of, this is like not an actual better trend, but in my head, I feel like when the Saints come out and Taysom Hill just rips the team apart, I feel like they never do it two weeks in a row, but maybe I'll be eating my words on this one. So next game we have is the Ravens minus six at the Giants. And I am going to go with the Ravens. I think the Giants are getting a little too pumped up over the win over the Packers. And I think the Ravens are one of the teams that's going to be, I think it goes Buffalo, Chiefs, Ravens in the AFC. And I think the Giants are a pretty average team. So I'm going with the Ravens there. So I agree. I think the Giants are an average team. I think the Ravens can't stop anybody late. And um, the Giants just keep it within six. I like it. All right. I don't like it because I opposed it. But but I'll say I like it to keep things going. Bucks yep. are minus eight at the Steelers. And I went first, so Mike, you go first. So even with the Bucks offensive woes, I don't see the Steelers being able to score any points on the Bucks defense. Now they will because this is the NFL and nobody gets held to nothing. Um, this is a relatively large line, but I think the Bucks put up at least 20 and the Steelers struggle to put up 10. Yeah. Uh, I know Heinz Field just changed his name, so I'm going to get it wrong. But I just... Eight-point dogs, the Steelers at home. Give me the points. I'm going to I'm gonna say that Tomlin and the Steelers keep this one close. There are a boatload of home dogs this year, too. Yeah, this week. This week yeah, that, I think that's why I was thinking that I was seeing this week clear. But now that I'm rereading it, I don't feel like I had it quite as figured out as I did. But anyways, next game, Panthers at the Rams. Rams are minus 10 and a half. And I'm going to go with the Panthers. I'm going to go with the Panthers to keep this one close. Uh, Coming off firing their coach. We've seen how that went for the Badgers. And I just don't think the Rams are a good team. That's That could be my spicy meatball. I don't think the Rams are shit this year. So I don't think the Rams are super good, but I also think the Panthers are fairly bad. Um, The Panthers were a team that didn't have any cohesion going into coming into this game 
then they fire their coach. And I don't think anything like comes together over that. Like the rifts you had get bigger. If you're a good tight knit team that like functions well together, I think, but you just were losing games. You might be able to win a game here, but I don't think that's what the Panthers are. So I'm going to take the Rams minus 10 and a half. A lot of points there. Fully expect that this one will piss me off when the Panthers go up seven, nothing in the first quarter. And I know there's no chance I'll cover. Yeah. All right. Next game we have is Cardinals minus three at the Seahawks. Mike lead us off. So I'm taking the Seahawks. I think the Cardinals are kind of in the same boat that like their cohesion isn't very good. And it's in, it's in Seattle. I think that's going to make a pretty big difference here. Cardinals haven't looked very good. I think that they play just fine, but I think the Seahawks step up and think that this is a win that they can get inside the division. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are a good team that's underperforming. I am all in back on uh, Kyler Murray being one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I just don't think the Seattle, I don't think Seattle's that good. I think the Cardinals defense isn't going to allow Seattle to just keep putting up 35, 38 points a game. And see, and I didn't know that the Cardinals defense is good. Yeah. I mean, they're not, I don't know, but like, I don't know. So no, they're not great, but I mean, they got they got some big names and and they're they should be good. Like that's that's all I'm saying is I think they're an underperforming team kind of across the board. Uh, I'm looking at the wrong thing right now, but anyways, I'm going with the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are gonna not only win, but I think they're gonna whoop the Seahawks a little bit there. Anyways. Next game, we have Bills minus two and a half at the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Chiefs at Arrowhead to keep this game down to a one-score game. I know the line is less than a one-score game, um, but I just I just think you flip a coin in this one. The last team that has the ball wins the game type deal. I mean, we've seen it in the playoffs. Maybe it doesn't play out quite like that, but it's going to be a fun game to watch. That's all I got to say. Yeah, so um, I just think the Bills are the team in the AFC. They're ridiculously good. I anticipate them being like majorly up for this game. I'm really surprised this is not the Sunday night and or the Monday night game. Just kind of stunning to me that they're not falling there for this, but um, that'll be a good like three o'clock in the afternoon game, especially since the Packers play the one o'clock game. Um, taking the bills uh, in the two and a half points. I think that they're holding the ball at the end and the chiefs can't stop them. All right. Next game. Cowboys at the Eagles. Eagles are minus six. Who you got Mike? So I'm going to take the Eagles. I think that this is a game that, appears to me that the um that Vegas is begging you to take the Cowboys. Like I would agree. Plus six is so many points. The Cowboys appear to be very, very good. They got what one loss? Yeah. To the I Bucks mean, in the home opener where they lose their quarterback. Like 
I don't understand these, both these teams could have an argument for being the best team in the NFC. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know if I agree with the best team in the NFC, but Eagles, I can see being the best team in the NFC. Eagles are undefeated. Cowboys got one loss, right? So whether they've played anybody or not, doesn't matter. They're playing with a backup quarterback and they have one loss. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And I'm just going with uh, interdivisional game, primetime game. I'm thinking this one's yep. going to be close. I, I I think the Eagles win this game, but I think it's going to be closer than six points. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys uh, just enough. to cover in this one. Next game, Broncos at Chargers. I'll lead her off. I think the same thing, same thing, same reasoning. Interdivisional game. Uh, Broncos keep this one close, but I do think the Broncos have a chance to win this one uh, just because they're underperforming. Chargers are also underperforming uh, for what we thought the AFC West was going to be. But I think the Broncos are a ticking time bomb that could figure some stuff out. I, I don't think they're a ticking time bomb in the sense like, they're going to figure stuff out and be the best team in the league, but I think they're going to figure some stuff out and they're going to be a very competent, good team in the league. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go with the Broncos as well. I considered going with the chargers because I think these are both relatively bad teams, honestly. Uh, I think the chargers don't really get home games. The Broncos, I would assume travel very, very well but maybe that's just like my own personal bias, right? That there's a lot of Broncos fans out there. Um, it feels like Russell Wilson has to have it start clicking eventually. I could be wrong, but. Um, He's definitely been underperforming to like a magnitude of something that we haven't seen Russell Wilson ever under. Yeah. Even last year when he was injured, he played better than this. Yeah, I don't right. know. He played like dog shit against the Packers the first the first game he was back from the injury, but but yeah, like even going back to his rookie year, he was he was more impressive than than what we're seeing right now. So I'm gonna roll back and I'm gonna take the Saints as my double dog. As okay. Well. All right, we will give you that. Make sure that's in there, and that will wrap up our picks. We are a fourth and goal with 35 seconds away from both winning Thursday Night Thunder, but we'll see how that plays out. But that will wrap up our episode. As always, thank you for listening. We love you guys. We appreciate the support. And Mike is going to tell you what to do to make us feel better about ourselves. All right, so make sure that you're downloading it on our on your devices. Make sure you subscribe on your devices. Download it on everyone you know's devices. You can subscribe on all their devices and then steal their phones later in the week and just hit play on two times speed. Get us a listen before they even know what's going on. That'd be good. You could confiscate your kids' phones, right? So, hey, you can't have that anymore, like, and then just download it on there for us. That'd be kind of cool. Um, but anyway, uh, download it, um, listen to it. And then if you're doubting the Badgers, the Bucks, the Brewers, or the Packers, you can eat our shorts. Roll it. All them
suckers that doubted the Packers can't need my show. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't need my show. Beat them. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't need my show. Eat my shows. Nom, nom, nom. Eat my shows.